Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Stream. Gonna ready this Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Welcome to the very first episode of the podcast on the brand new microphone. I'd love to hear your feedback on it, but I guarantee you this sounds better. Like almost guaranteed. It is abs it is nearly flawless. The Shure SM7B along with the mixer setup we have. You know what's not flawless though? The Boeing 737 Max. The airliner that was taken out of service because the software literally cost How many lives was it? Man. It doesn't matter. Too many. Too many lives were cost because of the software problem in the Boeing 737 MAX. And just as they were passing validation, chat says roughly 400. Just as it was passing validation and ready to hit the skies, another software flaw reared its ugly head. This one, however, rather than costing lives, actually does prevent deaths by not allowing the aircraft to take off. So, I mean, given the alternative, I guess it's better than the first one, but for crying out loud. You gotta wonder, will this plane ever, underline ever, actually hit the runway and ever see the airs ever again. Now, granted, this software flaw is nowhere near as infamous as the first one. I mean, for crying out loud, everyone was talking about the first one. How could you not? It was a big deal. But if this actually gets traction and this actually gets out and talked about by the masses, you have a serious problem. You've got then an airline model that I guarantee you will just be discontinued and never, ever see the light of day again. Oh, Boeing, what are you going to do? Speaking of software problems, we have Tesla, who could be forced to recall tons, underline tons, of Tesla Model S's, X's, and 3's. So, you know, the entire blasted lineup. All because there have been formal complaints about the car accelerating when it shouldn't. However, there is a lot of word out right now about this particular complaint and the source of it. 
Tesla is claiming that this problem is all is being pushed out by competitors. So that's where things get interesting. Because there's one thing that Tesla does well. It's pushing out software updates. So let's pretend... Let's pretend for, for a second that these claims are truthful. That there is, in fact... A software bug that causes Tesla to just accelerate. At seemingly random... Wouldn't just an update be pushed out to fix it? Tesla's already got the infrastructure. It's not like a normal vehicle where if there's a problem with the software, it has to go into a dealership. You get these big, scary envelopes. And by the way, they are terrifying when you get them. We've already gotten like five for our work fleet. And oddly enough, four of them didn't apply to us. It was kind of funny. Telling you that you got to take your your vehicle in and you could be without it for a certain amount of time while they go and hook up a computer and push a software update that way. Whereas the Tesla, you just do it over Wi-Fi or the built-in LTE. I think they all now have to be done via Wi-Fi. I don't think Teslas now can do it over their own LTE network. I'm not 100% sure on that. But regardless, it's going to be very interesting to see, hey, is this a legitimate complaint or is this an attempt to make Tesla look bad? Okay, someone in the chat has confirmed that what I heard was correct. There are no more LTE software updates, so you have to have it via Wi-Fi. Which, in my case, pretending I had a Tesla, and actually I have thought about it, but um, that's going to be a long ways down the road. I would actually have to pull my, my car, if I had a Tesla, out of my garage and down the driveway so it would be parallel with the room that would be my server room to be in range of the Wi-Fi. Because <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I set my phone to listen to a radio station on iHeart. I walk out to the car, and then the audio cuts out as the app switches from Wi-Fi to LTE because it lost the Wi-Fi signal. And then as I pull out, I lose the signal again because it switches for off LTE to Wi-Fi. It is kind of hilarious in a weird sort of way in a bad sort of way meanwhile across the pond over in the great eu we have a very interesting lawsuit nintendo versus norway and germany regarding pre-orders The parties in question allege that Nintendo's practice of refusing to refund pre-orders 
was against the law. And in this case, from PressFire.no, Nintendo won that they absolutely don't have to give refunds if you pre-order by mistake or have cold feet after pre-ordering. So, here's my thoughts on this. One, just don't pre-order. Like, don't pre-order unless there is some huge, underlying, huge benefit to pre-ordering. And it has to be a big benefit. Like, for example, Jackbox Party Packs. I always get the latest ones just because I am pretty much guaranteed to go pick one up anyway. Because I always grab the latest ones for for the P, for the PC for my stream. But the only reason I pre-order them is because I'm offered a discount to do so. If I wasn't I would absolutely just wait for launch day. Like, that's just my own policy, and it's one that I recommend people take up, regardless of whether it's for a console game, a PC game, a game on your Tesla. I don't even know if those are bought on an e-store or whatever. Just don't pre-order. Unless you're, like, 100% certain you're going to get it. Like, if you're, say, oh, I don't know, an FF7 fanatic that is that is dying for the release of the Final Fantasy VII remake, and you want to pre-order it, I mean, why not? You know you're going to get it, whether it's good or bad. Use your money intelligently. That is the best advice I can give you no matter what. Now, as far as whether you should or sh- or whether Nintendo has a right to say no or yes to the fact that, you know, they can just say no refunds for for your pre-order. On one hand, it's their store. But on the other hand, if you're going to offer refunds on that digital store but not offer it for pre-orders, I think that's a terrible raw deal. I really do. In fact, the whole pre-ordering and whatnot culture Especially, uh, what's the, what's the correct term nowadays? The early release where you're basically buying a game in alpha. Just buy a complete game. Yeah, early access. Don't buy an early access game either. I only know of one game. One game. 
of all the ones I've seen in early access that actually launched, you know, cleanly. Only one. Sticking over on the other side of the pond, the German government is going to end up paying 800,000 euros in Windows 7 extended service user license fees because they don't want to upgrade their setup to Windows 10. On one hand, I kind of get it. Because you really want governmental services to stop because you upgrade to Windows 10 and all your stuff is incompatible. But on the other hand, holy cow! 800,000 euros! Dude. It's time to rethink how you're going about this. You might want to, like... Like, okay, if this is, like, a one-time thing and you're planning on upgrading everything to Windows 10 or to some or, or to some branch of Linux or something like that, or even Mac OS, but... God, if you're doing Mac OS for a government operation... I'd probably make more fun of you for that than you are for still running Windows 7. Just just start working on your plan. Don't don't be shelling out just shy of a million euros every year. I'm just saying Germany. I'm just saying. Meanwhile, still on on the other side of the pond, The UK's mental health director wants to ban gaming loot boxes. Huzzah, huzzah, an opinion across the pond on gaming I agree with. It's a Christmas miracle, please. Oh, God, please. Kill it. Kill it dead. Seriously, is there anyone besides the game makers themselves who actually likes gaming loot boxes. Now, actually in fairness, there is only one example of gaming loot boxes. I actually agree with only one. And you're going to think it's weird that I'm going to say this because it is a forbidden game to mention on my own Twitch channel. Fortnite. I'm sorry. Fortnite has done it correctly. Chat is saying I need to be banned from my own channel now. But no, hear me out. The new way that Fortnite does it. Now, granted, this is recent. This is not since the dawn of time. Is that in-game... You get loot boxes for free, and that gives you certain in-game cosmetic items. However, if you want to spend real money, you are you can only use it to get 
specific items. You can only get the cosmetic in-game item directly. You cannot. You are forbidden from buying loot boxes with real money. As far as loot boxes go, I do think they should literally cost nothing except your time. The instant I am giving you, or whoever, real money to go ahead and get me something that gives me a random chance of getting something, we have a problem. Now, this is straight up gambling. By like definition. And again, this is a topic that is clearly on our radar. Every single time this comes up, we talk about it, un- unless it's a redundant story. I am hoping that we move away from loot boxes, period. End of story. However, I know it's something that we're a long way from, especially since, you know, over across the pond, they're a big push right now to eliminate loot boxes. Here in the States, the biggest push right now, and we're not going to get too political, please, the biggest push right now is right to repair. Personally, I'd like to see both sides team up and push to eliminate loot boxes and give us consumers the ability to repair the stuff that we own. Yeah, and special shout out to Lewis Rossman for being on the forefront of the right to repair movement, please. However, one of the other pushes that I'm kind of indifferent on, I'm not going to lie, that the EU is pushing on is a is putting a ban, specifically a 5-year ban on facial recognition. This is the ability for AI to use cameras to be able to identify a person based on their face. Oddly enough, Google is in favor of the facial recognition ban. Which that I'm legitimately surprised by. Like, aren't you? Of all the people to be against facial recognition, Google? Really? Whereas on the other side, Microsoft wants this ban to be removed. Hmm. Now, honestly, I don't really have a whole lot of an opinion on facial recognition. Because, unfortunately, whether I like it or not, we live in a society where everyone has cameras and everyone's going to be able to take pictures of you whether you like it or not. No matter what laws are passed in the world, anyone can just find me in the streets and snap a picture of me and go, there's Eagle Falcon, wow! And there's not much I or anyone can do about it. Which sucks, I know. But what are you going to do? 
What I do have an opinion about is the fact that despite the EU wanting to push a ban, London police want to use facial recognition across all of London. The thought process here is that the police using these cameras and this software would be able to identify wanted criminals and then dispatch police to arrest said wanted criminals. So why do I have an opinion on this? More than likely, as someone in the chat already said, they already got closed-circuit TV cameras most likely everywhere around secure buildings. Why is this a big deal? (laughs) Oh, you want to know? It's because the software used for this facial recognition by police has had an 81% failure rate. 81% of the time when it when it identifies so when it identifies someone it is wrong. Folks, I don't care what the solution is. If whatever your solution has has an 81% chance of getting it wrong, don't! Just don't! That is not a reliable solution. And I don't care whether the solution is to broadcast terrible gameplay on Twitch TV or the solution is to record, say, this podcast right here or fold towels. Or determine whether someone lives or dies. Or whether someone gets arrested or not. 81% false positive rates is terrible. Don't do it. Don't. I can't stress that enough. Shifting from all of Europe to all of the internet, we have opera. Which, get this, in their own app store, has predatory loan apps with interest rates of up to 876%. What? First off, why are there loan apps on an app store for a web browser? I I I I I have no words. Like, if it weren't for the fact that this is something, if it weren't for the fact that this has a lesson you should learn about, this story is so bizarre, it should be in my last burb segment. 
Now, there was an update to this story. So, first off, the company is aware and is carefully reviewing the published report regarding these predatory loan apps that are posted on Opera and is looking into it. They then update us later on and go, we found nothing wrong, but magically, magically, all of these outlandish loan apps just vanished. Opera, what's going on? Do, do, Do you need to talk? You you, you want to go out to a bar? I'll I'll buy you a beer. Just come on. I I feel like you're going through through some stuff here. You have no idea what's going on, do you? You know who else has no idea what's going on? The Sonos CEO. About a month ago, maybe it was less than that. We talked about how speakers were gonna get the ability to go into recycling mode when you upgrade your speaker and then these recycle recycling mode speakers would delete all personal data stored on the speaker because these are smart speakers and therefore things you tell it are stored on the speaker would then be deleted and there and the speaker would also be bricked never able to be turned on again and be basically a giant paperweight Wait, what? If you don't remember me talking about that, I was not happy. As a guy who has spent five years picking up mostly computers, but various electronics, refurbished them, and then selling them for a living, this story hurt me. It hit hit home. Because this is how most electronics are recycled. You wipe out previous data that was used by the previous user. You fix any component that is that has failed or is failing. And you resell it to someone who can't afford a new one. That's more than likely what's going to happen to my old mic. In fact, it's probably just going to go into a carrying case and just be sold that way. There's not much really to refurbish. It's still a good mic. Well, the Sonos CEO, who has a name that I completely forgot, and I am quickly glancing through this article to find it, Patrick Spence has published a statement saying that we will... We won't push out new updates, but we will make sure and put out an effort that these speakers work for as long as possible. That these legacy speakers will get minor security updates because, of course, they are Internet of Things devices. 
and security regarding Internet of Things devices are kind of a big deal right now. The last thing you want is malware designed for your smart light bulb to then be, to then infect said smart light bulb, and then your smart light bulb is being used to DDoS the government's man. You don't want that, and you don't want that with your speaker either. So it is important that these devices get updates. But to straight up brick them, I'm sorry, Sonos, you lost my trust. My trust level at you was like a 5 out of 10 before, mostly because I didn't have an opinion about Sonos before. But your last move brought me down to a negative 5 for trust. This statement You've got some of my trust back. You're back to a zero. You're back to a zero on trust. Still means I don't trust you, though. And I'll be watching. I will be keeping a very close eye. Speaking of things getting hacked, we have a... We have something very interesting here. And again, even if this probably actually should have gone into the the last burb segment, but regardless, it's here now. We're doing the story now. The Saudi Arabia prince hacked and commandeered control of Jeff Bezos's phone. Jeff Bezos, if you don't know is the CEO of Amazon. Just just let that sink in for a second. Phone literally hacked and hijacked. Do I need to say much more than that? Now, an investigation is being done as to how this happened and what damage was done. And even the UN is calling for an investigation into the Sa- the Saudi prince involving the hack, just because who knows what else happened. The hack actually was done, and chat is correct, was done through the WhatsApp app, which makes me super glad I never caught on to WhatsApp, because it just turns out to be more and more screwy and finally before we get to uh, wow actually the security segment's way longer than i thought shifting gears radically google has decided you know it'd be fun and exciting if we made ads look more like search results now TechCrunch and others are making a big deal of this that the ads look almost identical to search results. You search something, first entry is going to be the ad. It's going to say ad in pretty bold letters, and it's going to look exactly like the search result. 
What are my thoughts on this? Where have you been? Like, seriously, this is what Google's been doing. Heck, when I was a kid, I was confused this way. Even though they highlight it in yellow back in the old days, the search, the ads have always looked looked pretty much just like the search engine results. That's been their thing. Where have you been? (sighs) There is not a sigh loud enough I can make for this. But yeah, in case you didn't know, Google's whole shtick is making search results look more, or making ads look more like search results. They've been doing this since the dawn of time. Spoilers. All right, so now with all the talk of security breaches and whatnot, we need some good news in our life. How about the fact that we leak info has been... What's the right word for this? Well, the website WeLeakInfo has been confiscated by the FBI. And the people responsible for it have been arrested by the Irish police. WeLeakInfo is one of the sites that whenever whenever you hear of a data breach, and Lord knows, we've been talking about data breaches for a long time here. Your info is then usually sold on sites like WeLeakInfo. Well, guess what? It turns out when you commit crimes on the internet, they are still crimes. Wow! What are the odds? Oh, wait. A hundred percent. That's what the odds are. Huh. We're going to take a break here when we come back. How Rocket League wants to spurn their own player base and the absolute hot mess that is the AMD 5600. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so Rocket League has been going under some uh, interesting, to say the least, uh, (laughs) some interesting life choices. So Rocket League was bought up by Epic Games, and everyone feared the worst. Just because Rocket League was just kind of, yeah, we're cool, we're hip, we're we're indie, and... We have a ton of fun with rocket-powered cars throwing soccer balls into goals and whatnot. I actually don't play Rocket League. Can you tell? I don't hate the game. It's just... I don't know. I don't have a good reason for not playing it. Well, 
you could do multiplayer with Rocket League. In fact, that's the whole point. However, Rocket League multiplayer is going to end for macOS and Linux. Now, for the macOS people, I I don't feel pity for you. I mean, I feel kind of bad because Rocket League is basically the only game you have left. Aside from chess and Warcraft 3. Nah, I'm sure there's actually plenty of games for Mac OS. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. That and every Mac in existence has terrible GPUs. Unless you get a Mac Pro or an iMac Pro. Other than that, your GPU support is terrible, abysmal, embarrassing. And thermal throttles. Linux, on the other hand, I actually feel a bit bit sorry for. Now, keep in mind, you can still play Rocket League on Mac OS and Linux. You could just do against bots, the practice mode, or split-screen local multiplayer. So the game's not dead. Yeah, no, the game's dead. The game is absolutely killed for the Mac OS and the Linux players. It is all done for, quote, to be able to input new features for future releases on other platforms. Okay, then. You do that. Well, I suppose that the, that they could always just get a PS5 with Rocket League on it. Someone in the chat just, just said, um, basically, our devs are too bad to do things like cross-platform. Yeah, basically. Our crew is bad, and we feel bad. Meanwhile, over in Sony land, a leak from, quote, a big game developer has given us the, basically the the expected launch cycle of the PS5. The PS5 reveal is expected, according to David Scott Jafe, who has had a history with games such as God of War and Twisted Metal, claims that the reveal is less than four weeks away. And this would match with the reveal of the PS4. The reveal of the PS4 was in February 2013. So following this leak from David Scott, we should see the PS5 reveal in, oh, hey, look, the beginning of February. 
So at that point, we will know for sure if A, the PS5 will have hardware-based ray tracing, as we expected, and B, what the console will look like. Will it look like the PS4 Pro, except with some new aesthetics? Or will it look like the the nightmarish uh, toy V-Box that is currently in the hands of developers right now? Honestly, I have no idea, and I'm kind of excited. Because the leaks we've gotten about the chip inside the Xbox, we know it is not a small chip. It is going to require some serious cooling, and that is exactly why Microsoft has decided to build their Xbox to look pretty much exactly like a cooling tower. Some of the chat is actually, is actually hoping that it's going to look like the developer V-Box. I don't know if I'd want that or not. I mean, it definitely looks like a Chinese knockoff kind of look, but at the same time, I mean, that is some serious cooling. And heck, I can think of plenty of other designs that I looked at before and thought, wow, that looks awful. And I hope it never sees the light of day again. And then it grows on you. You know, like every single iPhone ever. That being said, I still do wish the notch would die. Shifting gears radically, we look over to Intel. Intel's not doing so great. Intel can't figure out how to get, how to get thin. It's still stuck at, at a grossly overweight 14 nanometers. It's slow. It's sluggish. That new young kid at AMD has made Intel look like a fool. Intel just just kind of came out of came out of the came out of its uh, little apartment in the basement one day and said, "I I have a GPU," and everyone kind of laughed at Intel, and then Intel went sobbing and back into its basement like like intel's not doing so hot intel's not 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 looking great now that being said stock wise intel is doing great like shockingly enough the tech sector doesn't want to talk about it someone in the chat actually does want to talk about the intel stock is doing fantastic and investors are actually encouraging people invest in Intel. Things are looking great for Intel. Now, I'm not a financial expert. The only way I can consider myself a financial expert is pay your bills on time and don't pre-order. This ends Eagle's sage financial advice. But all that said, there is hope for Intel.
a leaked Geekbench single core test showed that the Intel Tiger Lake processor outscores the AMD Ryzen 9 3950X. Granted, single core. And this Tiger Lake CPU is only quad core, so there's no way it has a prayer of outperforming the Ryzen 9 processor. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. The 3950X, that's the 16-core chip, right? I actually don't have that that uh, that spec right in front of me. If that actually is... Yes, okay, chat did confirm it is the 16-core variant. That also means that the clock speed isn't as high as the Ryzen 3000 series could be. But it does mean that all 12 of the Intel fanboys out there have hope. I mean, to be perfectly honest, there aren't really Intel fanboys. There really aren't. There are AMD fanboys because they want to root for the underdog, and AMD has been the underdog for literally a decade. And then there's people like me who are just going to go, I'm going to use the chip that is the smarter one to use. Right now, at this instant, at right now, at this moment, if, I, if I'm buying new, it's going to be AMD. Because it's the best priced performance, period. The crazy lunatic in me would get a freaking 3970X because it's a 32-core monstrosity that, my God, it's a 32-core monstrosity. I'm in. What more do you have to say to to bring the crazy person person in me out? <laughs> Shifting gears, or actually no. Speaking, of, oh, I ruined the segue anyway. Bloomberg reports that low cost iPhones are going to be entering mass production soon. TM. Apple plans on making a successor to the iPhone SE. If you don't remember the iPhone SE, well, I don't blame you. But the iPhone SE was a small iPhone designed after the iPhone 5 with modern guts. The SE was basically a 4-inch phone that had basic that had all the high end guts of the time i think it was like what the a8 processor question mark i can't keep track of the apple processors and no one really cares it's true no one does but what was nice about it is that it was a $400 smartphone from apple Like, at the time, that was pretty nice. By modern standards, that's insane! But that's also mostly Apple's fault. The new mythical low-cost smartphone will be based on the iPhone 8, which will feature a 
inch screen. So still a small screen, but also be more pocketable and more portable. This phone is theoretically going to sell, according to reports that I've heard, for the same $400 the iPhone SE used to sell for. Now, being based on the iPhone 8, that means there will be no notch, which could be a really big feature to some people. There will be a big, thick bezel at the top and bottom. There will be a fingerprint reader. Wow. And it will have the more modern processors of the iPhone 11, but the cameras will be the old style. So it won't be as good of a camera. Which, I mean, if you're going for a cheap smartphone, does it really matter? Probably not. It's still going to be good enough for for most people, but if you're if you're really going to be a photo snob, you're either A, going to be looking at the iPhone 11 and say, curse the expense. Did I say the iPhone 11? I meant the iPhone 11 Pro. Or you laugh at the concept of a smartphone camera in general and whip out whatever glorious D- digital SLR camera you've got and take real photos like a real person. Not to say that there's anything wrong with smartphone photography because I'm going to be honest, my best camera is on my Android phone. It just is. But in any case, that is what could be happening soon at Apple. I, for one, would welcome... A ch- I mean, anything that gets good technology into, into the hands of people for cheaper, I'm all for. Whether it's Android or Apple, go for it. All right, let's talk about the Radeon RX 5600. Wow, this was a mess. So if you don't know what all went down, congratulations, you're still sane. Cheers to you. Here's what went down. The RX 5600 was shown off at CES. Okay. Performance was, you know, kind of a mystery, but it was, you know, it it was shown off. The graphs looked pretty good. Then the reviews came out. The reviewers got the cards and they began publishing their benchmarks. And then they showed pretty good. Pretty nice. The 5600 basically made the GTX 1660 Ti, which was the closest card price-wise, to the 5600 look like a joke. And then NVIDIA had a brilliant idea. It first started 
with the RTX 2060KO, a custom card made by EVGA. The card itself performed about as well as a RTX 2060 should, except for $300. So now you've got, for $20 more, a ray tracing card that was then put out to compete with the that was then pretty much rebrought back to compete with the RX 5600 that performs better has ray tracing which more people care about than you'd think i mean i care about it but i'm also an idiot so take that for what you will and for only $20 more AMD somehow did not see this coming. Despite the fact that AMD pulled this exact same stunt against NVIDIA. So after the launch date, AMD pushes out a new BIOS for the graphic cards. This new BIOS pushes the card to perform better at the cost of more heat. Now, granted, it is not enough heat to put the card in danger. It is literally just a BIOS that basically safely overclocks the card to outperform the 2060. So, hey, that's great. Now the, 26, now the 5600 outperforms the 2060 for less. Win-win, right? Well, NVIDIA then responds by putting all RTX 2060s down to 300 to compete. So you basically can either get a 5600, which gives you 1080p performance really well at 2060, or get an RTX 2060, which performs a little worse than the 5600, but you get entry-level ray tracing. But here's where things get weird. Remember how I said after the card launched, this BIOS got put pushed out? Yes. This means there are cards on shelves that have radically different performance levels than, the, than what the benchmarks say the RX 5600 can do. This is where the mess comes in. If you go out and get a card off the... If you get out and get a 5600 right now, you might not be aware that there is a BIOS update that can radically improve the performance. Now, everyone here in the chat, because pretty much chat right now is full of nothing but the most informed tech nerds out there, high five chat, they know about this. And pretty much everyone here in the chat is not afraid at all 
to go ahead and download the BIOS and install it. And in fact, even though I'm a busy guy myself, I don't mind doing that myself. My problem is, is that I shouldn't. This is something that shouldn't be happening at all. On top of that, you don't know whether you got this BIOS or not. It is the unknown factor of whether you're getting a card that is already self-overclocked or not. That's where I have my hang up with this and why this is such a messy launch. Because now two people could literally pick up the exact same product and have two radically different results, assuming the rest of their systems were exactly the same. And if it was just a software update, that'd be one thing, but it's a BIOS. Now, hopefully the software will alert users that, hey, there's a new BIOS, here's how to install it. I'm hoping the software does. I honestly don't know if it does or doesn't. At the same time, though, AMD, holy cow, how did you not see this coming? So that's where that lands. Meanwhile, over at the Gamers Nexus, Steve from Gamers Nexus, a.k.a. Tech Jesus, has made a very interesting discovery about this RTX 2060KO. The GPU in the RTX 2060KO is not a TU-106 GPU. The TU-106 is what you normally find in an RTX 2060. They instead found a TU-104. What the heck does that mean? That GPU is normally used for the RTX 2080. There is an RTX 2080 under the hood of almost every single RTX 2060 KO. Now, before you go out, flip out, and buy one of these cards... Hold on. Because there's a reason for this. These TU-104 GPUs failed validation to have the performance of a 2080. In fact, their gaming performance, because they are instead just have functionality locked off and failed parts turned off does in fact compare with an RTX 2060. You will not see a power, you will not see a performance difference gaming wise between a 2060 and a 2060 KO. However, 
in certain workstation applications, like, say, Blender or video editing or anything of that nature, Gamers Nexus found you could see up to a 47% performance increase. Wow. That's not a small number. Now, one thing I don't know is if video encoding using the NVEC encoder is in that 47%. I doubt it. But if it is, wow. That's pretty good. That being said, though, the NVEC encoder for NVIDIA is so good already. I doubt there would be a difference at all. Someone in the chat is asking if the enco- if the isn't the encoder the same on all cards? I don't know, actually. That has never been made clear. I think that's the case, but I'm not sure. I would like to know for certain one of these days. Kind of like one of these days, I want to know for certain what the back of the Xbox Series X looked like. And lo and behold, someone has granted my wish on the back of the Xbox Series X, which, by the way, needs a better name. For the love of God, Microsoft, change the name. I'm begging you. This is obnoxious. We have some very interesting things going on. We have two USB ports that are both marked to be USB 3 and optical audio in. And I'm sorry, an optical audio out. I'm sorry. I meant out. An HDMI out. A power out or in power in. I have been talking so long, I have forgot the difference between in and out. I am like a cat. I can't decide what's in and what's out. (laughs) Ethernet in and out. And a mystery slot that will most likely be for peripherals down the road. Or it actually is an SD card slot, which is what it kind of looks like. That could be used for Connect. It could be used for something else. It could be used for VR. It could be used for a brain implant. I don't know. And I'm not going to speculate on it any further than that. But this column of ports is then flanked by two pretty big air intake vents. So the Xbox Series X is going to draw air in from the back and expel it through the top. Hmm. And we can also see on the back a um a bit of an opening where we can see a little bit of a wire and maybe a green PCB. That also being said, this thing also has a big label on it that says Xbox product name placeholder prototype not for sale. So this could all change, too. Chad is speculating that it could be a Connect Plugged or it could be a PCI Express Breakout. We don't know. It is all 
speculation. We're going to take a break here when we come back. We have the weird stories, including uh, General Motors' great vision for the future of self-driving. How did I end up here? I can tell you how you ended up here. You decided you wanted some tech news. Welcome back. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. You know what else we want to know how it got here? The DirecTV satellite being doomed to explode. Yes, the batteries on board one of the direct TV satellites, possibly the direct TV satellite. I'm not entirely certain. I think they've got to have more than one satellite up there, right? They have to. The article doesn't say, but the battery has been breached. And the satellite will explode soon. TM. Chat is confirming there are two. And I'm providing, and one of them is named Daystar, and the other one we don't know the name of. But in any case, DirecTV wants to make moves to either to push the satellite out of its orbit, whether it be to A, push it out further into space, or to B, Push it into Earth's atmosphere so it can burn up on re-entry. Oddly enough, do you know who made the satellite? Boeing. Uh, no, no one tell Boeing that now their satellites too are absolutely flawed or else all their satellites are going to be grounded while they figure out how to make battery software that prevents them from exploding, even though it's a hardware problem. Meanwhile, in the department of no one was asking for this, Nintendo is creating a Joy-Con attachment that will turn the Joy-Con for the Switch into a stylus. Why? Who? Who is asking for a Switch stylus? You know what's actually funny? You know what I've noticed? So, people in the chat know this, but people in the podcast don't. I took a break from streaming, and in fact, yesterday was my first day on this streaming vacation, and I actually got to sit down and use my Switch as an actual gaming device and relax. You know what I realized? Games don't use the touchscreen! I've been playing Pokemon Sword! Freaking nothing on it uses the touchscreen, even though the UI looks like it's built out to be, like, touchscreen friendly. 
Like the menu has giant icons the size of my fist. And it doesn't use the touchscreen at all. I have not tried with DQ Builders. Someone in chat wants to know if it's with DQ Builders too. I have not tried. I'll have to try it. So, legit question. Who is this stylus for? If the games just go and say, you know, the Switch is basically a, a home living room console. Chad is speculating it's to make the docked mode impossible. The thing is, is that that's up to the game developers. And the game developers clearly say, we're not going to use the touchscreen because we want people to use this docked or undocked. Actually, you know what would be brilliant? This is going to sound silly, but hear me out. Relaunch the Wii U, uh, yeah, the Wii U gamepad and mirror the screen onto that screen to reuse so that, so that when you're docked, you can still use the touchscreen. Like that would have been brilliant. Unfortunately, I think it's too late for that. The Switch has been out so long, game developers have pretty much already forsaken the touchscreen aspect of the Switch. So this stylus attachment, I think, is pointless. And actually, while we're on the topic, let's pretend we live in a world where everything on the Switch actually did use the touchscreen and used it well. All right? Let's pretend we live in that reality. Why on earth would you use a stylus that is shaped like the Joy-Con with an extra bit on it? Just imagine holding seven pens taped together. And I don't mean taped together to be a sphere. I mean in a line. Because that's basically what this would be like. Of all the things for Nintendo to be talking about. Now, granted, I don't think I, I think that this actually slipped my mind when I was talking about it. This is a patent. It is very possible this is never going to see the light of day. In fact, I would hope it never sees the light of day. Because this is dumb. But let's pretend I wanted a stylus. You know what I'm going to use for it? Those capacitive phone styluses, like this one that I'm currently holding that you listening to the podcast can't see. Because it's ergonomic and works. Wow. What a concept. But you know what kind of bites for, for the Switch? Fortnite now runs on the iPad Pro at four times the frame rate that it does on the Switch. In news that literally no one asked for, 
You can run your iPad. You can run Fortnite on your iPad Pro, which, by the way, if you have an iPad Pro, you better have a case around it. Put a case on it. If you don't have a case on it, go out and get a case on it now. That thing is not durable, like, at all. But I digress. You can now run your first-person shooter on your touchscreen, on your on your tablet, with terrible controls, and you are guaranteed to die quickly because even if you enjoy Fortnite, you do not have the control on an iPad Pro that you would on literally any other platform. But it runs at 120 frames per second. Yeah! Oh... That is a terrible life decision. Kind of like Apple's lightning port is also a terrible life decision, but Apple is fighting hard to keep the lightning port alive. So we talked last week that the EU wanted to pressure all smartphone manufacturers to use USB Type-C but didn't provide any details on how to use USB Type-C, which is a problem because there are a ton of flavors of USB Type-C. All of which behave radically differently. I mean, not radically differently, but you know what I mean. And lo and behold, the easiest prediction in the world came to pass. Apple is resisting the EU wanting to keep the lightning port on their phones. All right. You you want to hear what Tinfoil Hat Eagle has to say about this? Here's what Tinfoil Hat Eagle has to say. Apple plans on putting USB Type-C on the Pro variant of the iPhone, okay? This would match USB Type-C being on the iPad Pro, right? Like, this is theoretically coming. And I still think it is coming. I think the iPhone the iPhone 11S Pro will have USB Type-C. The iPhone 11S will not. The reason Apple is resisting this is because Apple wants to make the next iPhone have no ports. No point of ingress. They want to fight this to create the true wireless utopia. And for ports to only be a professional feature. To use the benefits of that high speed only for professional use. They're resisting this to let the portless, buttonless phone be a reality. To bring us one step closer to Johnny Ives' dream of having the iPhone just be a glass brick. Okay, that last part is just a joke. But you can you could see this though. We talked about this how 
there were rumors that Apple wanted to kill the lightning port and replace it with nothing. Wouldn't Apple resisting the EU forcing the iPhone to have USB Type-C push towards that? No ports. Only wireless charging. So therefore you could you could then charge your phone at 80% efficiency as opposed to 90 plus or whatever the heck an actual charging cord actually is at. I know it's not exactly 100 but it's close, I think. I don't know. We're going off into crazy land. Let's instead go into a different breed of crazy land. Like how reports coming out that Office 365 Pro is going to have code to change Google Chrome's default search engine to Bing. <laughs> what? Oh. Microsoft, if this is true, you're insane. Other reports also say that Microsoft plans on putting ads into notepad just being a thin banner ad at the top of the notepad okay microsoft i'm just going to tell you this right now good joke good joke bravo that, that that's funny never do this never I will make a Hackintosh and use that before I openly accept ads in freaking Notepad. Yeah, I'm sorry, Linux fans. I I I don't know. I know Mac OS more than I know. Then I know Linux. I'm sorry. I know. I'm terrible. I mean, granted, there is a there is an alternative notepad. I mean, heck, I have Notepad++, which I actually should be using instead of Notepad anyway. There's also WordPad, which probably, if anything, is going to be where the... Uh, Where where uh, where the ads should appear, if anything, because Notepad pretty much is legacy software. <sighs> the point is, is that if the future involves ads being on my on my Windows operating system that I paid hundred that I paid over a hundred dollars for already, I'm not thrilled. I'm already ticked at the fact there's ads in Minesweeper and that they're at ear searingly high volume. I kid you not, I have had on stream while we were waiting for, it was actually the Untitled Goose game to install on my Switch. We played Minesweeper, and before I could play the play it, 
it played an ad at peaking my mixer level of volume. It was abysmal, awful. Microsoft, stop it. Get some help. Please. Now, with no good segue into this, other than what the future brings, I bring you the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the day. Chevy introduces their newest concept vehicle that actually will be available for purchase soon, TM. It is called the Cruise, an all-electric shuttle that, um... It looks weird. There is no other way to describe this. This literally looks like two ends of an SUV smushed together with bus doors on both sides. Inside the vehicle, we have two benches. We have screens that welcome the people coming in. And its sole purpose is not for people like you and me to buy, but for ride-sharing companies to buy. This basically would replace taxis. And yes, the whole concept of ride-sharing still bothers me by the fact that it's called ride-sharing, but you know well that anyone that's actually in a ride-sharing program, they weren't going where you were going. You know that. You're not sharing a ride. They made this ride specifically for you. It's a taxi. We know it. But in any case, it is a weird looking vehicle, but I'm I'm not going to lie. I don't hate it. But this does bring an interesting look as to what the future is going to be. The future of cars is clearly going two ways. One, self-driving cars that people own. Or two, Basically, these microbuses, these self-driving taxis. I like the term microbus better because this does look more like a small bus than it does a taxi car. That and you rarely interact with the bus driver. So those theoretically would be one of the only three vehicles on the road, either cars that people still own, but it basically drives for them, or these sort of taxi-like drivers. 
And then, of course, the third kind being uh, the professional drivers who drive the big trucks to make sure that your grocery stores are stocked. Now, I don't think, see, some people in the chat are already going, I think privately owned vehicles are going to be going away. I don't think they will ever truly fully go away. I think it will be on the decline, but I think people will still want to own a vehicle. I still think those people will be out there. And in fact, until a law goes into place that bans manual driven cars, I think there are still people who would go out of their way to go and get an old school used car, even when... Even if self-driving electric cars end up being the move of the future. I mean, I I myself prefer to drive. Like, even though I drive for a living, I still enjoy it. I still do. I will say, chat was saying, uh, what was it, 15 years? Own vehicle ship would would be uh, gone. I think in 15 years, the overwhelming majority of vehicles will be electric or some other kind of fuel other than gasoline or diesel. I will make that kind of prediction. With that being said, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it, please also check out my daily podcast, The Early Burb Briefing, which you can find at 4 a.m. Central Time, wherever you found this podcast. iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google, literally everywhere. And also check out my Twitch page, where we str- where we stream, well, not this week, but every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care, and I'll see you next time. I just want to know, though, Chevy, where's our flying car? We were promised Jetson-style flying cars. Where are they? You give us freaking... You you give us a taxi with two SUV butts, and you don't give us our own personally owned flying cars, Jetson-style? Uh... 
This is all Boeing's fault, isn't it? Dang it. 